afternoon. Welcome to the panel on RNZ National. Gosh, interesting. Martin in Christchurch says, My wife's grandfather, Norm MacDonald, owned New Zealand bred uh, Tupuroa, who won the Melbourne Cup in 1955. Tupuroa was trained by the legendary TJ Smith and ridden by Neville Salwood and carried 48 kgs. Extraordinary history there. Simon says, In 1964, my father-in-law, Laurie Davis won the Melbourne Cup with his New Zealand horse Polo Prince. He bred and raced a number of great horses. So, gosh, thank you for that history there uh, on the panel RNZ National. Jenny Morton and Alan Blackman with me today. The 34-member Labour caucus were in an off-site day-long meeting in Upper Hutt today with Chris Hipkins being endorsed by Labour MPs as the party's leader. Caucus conducted a secret ballot to endorse the leader and uh, I was successful in being endorsed as the leader. Uh, Can I also acknowledge uh, the decision of Kelvin Davis not to uh, continue as the deputy leader of the Labour Party. He'd foreshadowed that uh, a while back that uh, he didn't wish to continue and congratulate Carmel Cipollone who has been elected uh, as the deputy leader of the New Zealand Labour Party. Yes, as you heard, the Calvin Davis has stepped down as Labour's deputy leader, Carmel Cipollone, elected as his replacement. So the question is now... Uh, how does Labour regroup as an effective opposition for the next three years? With us is Sir Bob Harvey, former president of Labour, when Helen Clark was leader, heavily involved over the years in campaigns for Labour. Sir Bob, welcome to the panel. It's great to be back. Well, <laughs> nice uh, to be on. Melbourne Cup Day is always a big day to be happy, <laughs> isn't it? If you, oh, no. if you could win, that is. Um, I used to I used to bet heavily. I think at the agency days, we used to have these big sweeps there. I think I won it once. Those were the days, years. Sir Bob. Those were the days. Now. Everything was those were the days. <laughs> um, but it's it's Chris's day today. You know, I mean, I'm so pleased that they said we're going to keep you on. And Carmel, who happens to be my local MP, and I think she's extraordinary. I think she's a, one of the great women. And uh, I'm, sorry, I'm happy for them both. You know, they say in politics, if in doubt, do nothing. And I think that's a probably good thing for today. Um, just get it right, you know. The other big saying used to say, it's wrong to be right too soon. Um, and it's always wrong to be right too soon. Um, so I'm pleased... They're going to regroup. They will regroup. Uh, there'll be small groups that will start giving advice. And the road back uh, will right. be soon. There's uh, always a road back, of that, that is probably the quote of the day. If in doubt, do nothing. Um, <laughs> so all this might be right, Sir Bob, but is Chris Hipkins the right person to lead Labour into 2026? Well, we didn't really get to know him, you know, uh, but the transition, which is bloody hard in politics, from uh, Jacinda to Chris was magical. It was seamless. I guess that if he'd been smart, he'd have called a snap election and probably have flown it, and we wouldn't be talking on the, about this now. Um, but it, the time was up. Uh, I, you know, I was a great fan of Mike Moore's, and I guess the two of them, Mike Moore and, and Chris Hipkins, to be, uh, had a very short burst as uh, our PM. But I thought he was good, and I thought uh, the 
the COVID thing, the lockdown, it all was a price. And I know there was a bit of a, a bumpy ride with some wayward politicians, but the time is up. And when it's up, it is up. And there's bugger all you can do about it, to be honest. All right, let's no bring how, on, good it, how good you are. You Bob, know. let's bring in our panel. Uh, Jenny Morton, thoughts, questions here? Well, you know, hello. I think that Carmel Cipollone is an amazing woman, and I wonder if what we're seeing here is sort of the future of the Labour Party uh, leadership, and that that she could possibly um, step into that to that leader role in the future. Well, I've worked with a lot recently in the uh, the tragedy on the west coast, and I've uh, been with her at Piha Karikari Murawai, and I've seen an extraordinary woman with terrific leadership skills. Um, that's so important. Uh, this country needs leadership right now. It re- I don't know why it's vanished, but it has in all, all kinds of areas. And uh, you know, I started Leadership New Zealand with a couple of other people. And we've done that for 20 years. We've grown leadership. She's got it. Uh, she's really got it. Okay, so endorsements here yeah. from Sir Bob Harvey for Carmel Cipollone as a possible future leader. Alan Blackman. <clears throat> um, I guess the thing about Chris Hipkins is that, you know, whenever he stood in for Jacinda during lockdown and um, the COVID days, he seemed to me to be extraordinarily capable. You felt that you were in really good hands um, with him on TV. But then for some reason, when he took over, I don't know, I think he just lost his aura or something. And um, he he never seemed as confident. Uh, Yeah, it's often the way. Uh, The politicians look good in opposition uh, and they look good also uh, and they're going to be future leaders and when they get the job um, they, they don't it doesn't work mm, um, mm. I, I mean I think I guess that's the reason I didn't stand for Mayor of Auckland I, I'd done such a bloody good job I could never do it in, in South Auckland they, and people would say oh wasn't he so good out west but now he, just, All right, he doesn't Bob. know what he's doing okay, so you've okay. got to pick the time you know the one, the, the one thing that got me... When you're me, good, yeah, don't uh, push it. Yeah. Uh, and I think you're right. I thought he was wonderful. I, every night, being an old bastard that I am, I, he was keeping me alive mm, between yeah. him and Jacinda. Yep. I thought, good on you. You can do no wrong, you know. Mm. You, I trust my life. Yet when he gets the job, yep. he seems to, you know, a bit like the All Blacks, they keep dropping the ball. You All right, know, let me ask you this, Sir Bob. No. It, it, is, it, is fair to say, it, it is fair to say this, that it feels like the wind is not in Labour's sails. Can you recall a time like this? You've had such history with the party, uh, with Helen Clark and others. Can you recall a time like this when you were involved? Oh, sure. Uh, sure. Um, I, I worked so closely with Norman Kirk. Uh, and when uh, Kirk died tragically after 22 months, uh, Mike Moore, I remember, were in terrible grief. Uh, Bill Rowling, who I liked enormously, didn't work. Then Muldoon came in uh, with like a tsunami. And uh, Rob's mob took over New Zealand. Uh, he wasn't very good. In fact, he was not good at all. But he had enormous kind of magnetism on TV. And until Mike Moore and I went out to Pukakari or Pak- oh, yeah, Pukakari, uh, to a rally where David Longy was talking, and we said, oh, my God, that's it. Yeah. He is it. Um, and we went to Caucasus. 
uh, and said, hey, hey, we've found him. We've found him. I know he's very large. Uh, okay. and I know he's not in great health, but he's terrific. And uh, it was a magical moment. David Longy was our man. We you see, that's and, extraordinary. And, and, that's, a such, that's a such an interesting story, Jenny, because uh, I'm always fascinated by this aspect that you never know where the next leader mm. of a party or otherwise or really comes from. They they might be, she or he might be waiting in the back wings. You, they might be not noticed. You know, it is interesting, isn't it, Jenny? Well, I'd say you could almost Jenny first. I, I think you can almost say that about Jacinda. She she came out of she was a bit of a surprise to to a lot of New Zealanders. They didn't know her. They didn't know about mm-hmm. her. And you know she stepped in and did a terrific so job as Lately. Yes, I, I, I actually I went to a. I went to a um, presentation by Jacinda earlier in that year, and she said, "I don't want to be leader of the party. I just want to be, exactly. you know, a really good MP." And um, of course, she was a fantastic leader. And I think you can e- even say that worldwide. I mean, if you look at Barack Obama, um, he wasn't a tremendously well-known politician, uh, a no. senator, mm, before mm. he came through into that leadership yeah. role. So yep. I think you're quite right. But I do think the interesting thing that we're seeing here, is, and we're talking about, is that cult of personality. How important it is to have a dynamic leader, someone who does draw people in, whether it's a Muldoon who was, you know, so awful, or, or a Jacinda well, or a Barack Obama. <laughs> you know, it's a personality, it's a magnetism, and they David Longy was certainly yeah. that. Here you go. <clears throat> I uh, worked for Vinici Walters uh, in an impossible seat up in Hobsonville. I just thought she was absolutely fantastic, and she proved to be fantastic. And I, I rate her so highly. Um, I just think that's the kind of thing we're just talking about. Someone will emerge that just takes you by surprise, mm. and that, that person will take your breath away. How that's interesting! So we're waiting for that person. Just a final <coughs> thought, uh, well, Alan. Yeah, I mean, you know, look at look at John Key and um, Chris Luxon. I mean, they didn't sort of spend any time much in in Parliament, um, and they. They came out from nowhere. So all these long-serving MPs who are busy putting in the hours and stuff like that, they must feel a little bit miffed that uh, people are appointed ahead of them, I guess. But, um, I but think they know. They know. They the, think, well, I'd like to do it, but I haven't quite got it. Yeah. I think, you know, just take a look in the mirror. I wish I could, but I can't. Uh, and those, both those, both John Key uh, and, and Christopher Luxon, they just came almost from nowhere. Mm, yeah, and they became absolutely. somewhere, somebody... Very quickly, very quickly. Yeah. You don't wait 20 years to be the leader. You wait yeah, 20 yeah, months. Yeah, that no, no, true. All right, so Bob, very nice to have you on the program. I really appreciate uh, your time this afternoon. Really good. Thanks, guys. Uh, that, Thanks is, uh, that is Bob Harvey there just uh, commenting on the uh, Labour vote. Uh, Chris Hipkins being endorsed by Labour MPs as the party's leader. Not, all, not everyone agrees, of course. Hipkins, a genius. Come on. He was Minister of Police, Education, all disaster areas for the new government to clean up. Enough of this Labour hagiography. Get it through, <laughs> folks, and face up to the wreckage of their years in power. So thank you for that. Uh, oh, I've got to read this one out. A question for the professor. Oh, jeez. Is there any proof positive of the existence of a superior ethereal being? No. That's, <laughs> <laughs> That's an easy one. <laughs> they do know you're a chemistry professor, don't they?
Um, Ethereal means something different in chemistry. And Robert (laughs) says, uh, totally agree uh, about Carmel Cipollone. She's a friend, uh, Canon Vouch. She's an extraordinary person. And the idea of a fierce Pacifica woman as our Prime Minister, hell yeah, with three exclamation marks. What about, how, how about this for, uh, that'll get, this will get me hate mail, Muldoon, New Zealand's last socialist prime minister. 2101. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free, <laughs> panel Farno. Prove me wrong. 19 past for the panel. It's Diabetes Awareness Month and this year's campaign is focused on eye health. Diabetes is the leading cause of preventable blindness in the country. Often there are no warning symptoms rather, and it's not uncommon for people to lose vision over a few weeks or even occasionally lose the sight in one eye overnight. The kicker is preventable through regular eye checks. A new eye health survey carried out by Diabetes NZ has revealed that 86% of people with diabetes have experienced issues with their vision. With us is Diabetes NZ Chief Executive Heather Very. Heather, Kiora, nice to have you on. Oh, Kiora, you certainly covered that well for us. Well, <laughs> you know, it actually surprised me. It actually shocked me enough to say we've got to talk about this on the panel. It has been perhaps less covered uh, uh, than might have been. I mean, that's quite extraordinary. The leading cause of preventable blindness in New Zealand diabetes, is that right? Yes, that is correct, and that's why we decided that we would make um, blindness or um, eye health the theme for this year's Diabetes Action Month, because um, not only are these stats a bit sort of scary, but the um, the key thing is that people are really unaware of yeah. this um, complication from diabetes. Even people with diabetes are unaware, and that's pretty much what our survey showed, that at least 20% are just um, not even aware that they could have impaired vision due to diabetes. And just coming back to that, so it's not uncommon for people to lose vision over a few weeks or actually occasionally, Heather, uh, in one site overnight? I know, that's really scary, isn't it? Yeah, even I was a little bit shocked by that stat, but um, that's what the experts are telling us, so that's obviously what's actually happening. All right, stay there, Heather. Let's bring on the panel, Jenny Morton. I guess the big question is, is what is the accessibility for these um, eye tests that are obviously a really necessary thing that they you know, need to be having regular ones? Can they get them? Well, uh, that's where the issue is really. Um, we've discovered there's really an inconsistent approach across New Zealand because there is a nice screening um, that people are entitled to every two years. But from what we can gather, um, it just... It it depends on where you live in the country, and I think this is probably um, reflective of the um, health at the moment across New Zealand. So um, some people are sort of in the system, and their medical centres are really good at doing the yearly or the two yearly referrals, and they get a note from the optometrist to say you're due for an eye check. Um, Other people don't get it. Um, Other people are never even put into the system. And then when those that know about it, they actually, um, their barriers are there's long waiting lists and um, they have trouble accessing appointments. So it's a bit of a challenge, really. 
Alan. Yeah, well, speaking of somebody who's had really bad eyes all his life, um, I'm very careful about my eyesight. And I was going to say exactly the same thing as Jenny. Like, you know, less than 50% of people with diabetes are getting the regular eye checks. And so surely that must be um, a reflection on the system and access to health care. And, um, you know, it needs to be fixed. And you're saying, you know, there's long waiting lists. Surely, yes, there will be at the hospitals, but surely um, why can we not farm these um, patients out to private optometrists and get the government to pay for it? I mean, for goodness sake, it's that's going to be cheaper in the long run than having a whole bunch of people going blind. I mean, it's just common sense, isn't it? Well, it is common sense, and fortunately it isn't restricted to just um, um, patients going to the hospitals. The um, optometrists around the country are all part of this program, so they, are, they are, have got a vested interest in it. So I'm, I'm really not sure why there are these long waits. Yeah. Um, it's really a bit of a puzzle to me that that came through the survey. Um, the only thing we just know is the fact that not everybody's referred um, or mm. on these lists, and that's the real concern for us because they all need to know they're entitled um, to a two-year oh, check. Absolutely. And they all need to know that they're in a system that provides an update to say, hey, guess what, you're due for your check because... Um, we all forget we don't know within two years is up, do we? <laughs> I guess I guess the backdrop to this as well, Heather, is that, uh, and you can talk to any clinician about this, and uh, they'll nod their head furiously that diabetes is the real elephant in the room regarding New Zealand healthcare overall, isn't it? With um, people getting diabetes now in increasingly younger age groups. Oh, look, that's the really sad thing about diabetes. Um, and and I keep referring to the old days, you know, of being of that age. Um, you People were sort of like 50s and 60s getting it, at type 2, that is, we're talking about. But um, we're seeing youngsters now, adolescents, in 14, 15 years. And so the reality for them is the chances of them um, getting the complications, which is not just blindness, it is, um, cardiovascular, it's renal disease, it's lower limb amputations. Yeah, yeah. They be, they become more real because um, time marches on for them, and um, it, it's a real challenge. And um, it's really sad to be quite honest. Um, that's what's happening. So um, there needs to be certainly increased education and certainly increased investment from um, the health system into the prevention of diabetes and prevention of. Um, or trying to help people manage their diabetes. All right. Well, very nice to have you on the program, Heather, just uh, highlighting that issue. Uh, I hope to hear from you again. Uh, Thank you. That is uh, Chief Executive of Diabetes NZ, Heather Very, um, looking at the issue of preventable blindness uh, regards to diabetes. People, It's not uncommon for people to lose their vision over a few weeks or occasionally overnight. So uh, as part of the Diabetes Awareness Month, it's a huge issue in health in this country. So um, good that we were able to bring that. Uh, Big response regarding um, just Alan Blackman's dart into the ether (laughs) asking you whether or not Muldoon was the last socialist prime minister here's one absolutely capital letters oh Um, gosh and um, yeah that's just one of many I absolutely agree says Ian Uh, Muldoon was this country's last socialist prime minister his record and power provides plenty of 
evidence. Now, um, on the <laughs> by the way, just a word on this: the Melbourne Cup is at five p.m. And if you are wanting to listen to the Melbourne Cup and you are currently listening to RNZ via the web, our app, or through RNZ Pacific, you will need to tune into our AM or FM frequency in order to hear the race. We will not be carrying the race via those platforms. Also, RNZ will be carrying the feed live at five p.m. this afternoon. Now. I had a bad experience at the mechanic, says Keely Johnson for ABC. After talking to the other woman, it seems I'm not alone, who goes on to say that she was quoted $200 more to fix the same car than when her father took it in for a quote. And I put this on Facebook and such a response. For example, Meg said, my God, all the time, I bought every car I've owned on my own, yet if I took my then non-driving, now ex-husband with me, they would always look to him. But many said, hang on, hashtag not all mechanics. Don't throw all mechanics under the bus, including one Matthias, who's with us now. Welcome, Matthias. Uh, Kia ora, was. And I understand that you want to give a bit of a, 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 bit of a bouquet to your hard-working mechanic. Yeah, yes, I would like to. Um um, you know, not all of them are bad. I've had um, amazing experiences with my mechanic. Years ago, um had a bit of a work done on the car, and um, it was quite a hefty price tag, but it wasn't really what it was. But he very kindly offered to uh, also, you know, suggest an address of the competition who might be able to do it for cheaper. Um, but he talked me right through it. He fixed it. It came out cheaper. And uh, I've, I've always stayed with him because this guy is just so incredibly honest and always tries to keep the price down. Well, that's that's a that's a nice thing to hear, Jenny. Yeah. Uh, a little bit of a, a bouquet for mechanics. What experiences have you had, Jenny Morton? I, I can't say I've had any good or bad experiences no. with mechanics, but I would say that I would accept the validity of what's being suggested by the women here. Mm. I don't. It's not. This it's not not limited to mechanics. There is some trades where blokes think they want to talk to blokes more than they want to talk to women. Let's put it that way. Yeah. yeah would you? Th- what do you think of that, Matthias? Well, yes, I you hear that a lot, eh? Um, real sort of general problems in that regard, and it happens in a lot of industries. So mm. uh, where women are are seen as less. That is not just in the trades, it's everywhere. And you're right, that needs to be addressed. Um, this mechanic, to come back, Jeff, um, Jeff is my mechanic, at Amsterdam Car Maintenance in Allistown. Um, you should try and check his, check him out because um, he's really, really nice to all customers, including my partner. And I bet he's really grateful for having the support of customers like you. Absolutely. That's, that's yeah. the true, um, true. You know, testimony to his customer service. What a nice one, Matthias. It's Absolutely. nice to put in a good word for a mechanic. Very good. Thanks for being on the panel. Um, uh, Caroline says, in the 90s, we had a new car that would suddenly cut off all power, including brakes and steering, particularly at high speeds. When we took a <laughs> When we took it back to the dealer, they said it was likely due to how I was driving it. (laughs) Not sure how that was remotely possible, but after disbelieving us for months, they finally discovered, hey, there was a massive manufacturing fault. Uh, Louise said, 
I know a wee bit about cars, and a mechanic made a mistake with the filter. They tried to pull the wool over my eyes and tried to charge for fixing their mistake. Luckily, I had some knowledge, and as soon as I showed that, they backtracked very quickly. I wouldn't go back there again, but I have to say there are plenty of great, genuine mechanics where I live, so it's easy to go to a good one who wouldn't take advantage of you because of your gender. Yeah, and, you know, that's that's what you need really is probably just recommendations from people. And, you know, things like your local uh, suburb Facebook page or something like that, you know, often, often you can get really good recommendations for, you know, tradies and mechanics and, and, and people like that. And, yeah, I mean, my, my first car was a Vauxhall Viva, 67 Vauxhall Viva, wow. went through three gearboxes and two clutches. Uh, <laughs> Someone says, of course Matthias gets good service and capitals. That's because he's a male. Uh, <laughs> so keep that coming. Two one zero one. The feedback you are on the panel RNZ National.